0: An hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State, from the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio
1: Free New York. Alright, welcome everyone to Radio Free New York. Thank you so much for joining us today on this beautiful, beautiful uh, fall day. It's like 60 degrees. It's wonderful. And today we are joined by Alex Merced. Alex Merced is the former vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee and a uh, professional cat wrangler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, guys, if you saw what Alex was able to do to hold that convention down in July, like you, you'd be impressed too. But but, that what I appreciate about Alex is Alex is often relentlessly optimistic in building a pro-liberty message rooted in positivity, in caring, in kindness, in... in That is what I wanted to bring Alex in to talk about today. Is is how do we build a positive, pro liberty message that that we can use to reach people? So Alex, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me on the show, Kevin. It's so great to to uh, to see you or hear you again.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, So again, Alex, uh, you you are now in some sense retired from Mm -hmm. political life. And that you're you no longer an office holder in the party. So, so what, what now? Like, first of all, like, tell people, what, what are you up to nowadays? And you know, how can we start to think about what the next steps are for people who believe in freedom and liberty?
2: Um, bottom line is when it comes to creating a free world, it's not just about our state in that moment. It's not like we want to create a world where all the barriers to individual action and just a heads up i think i hear a little bit of an echo i don't know yeah no that that
1: might be the case uh, so i'm going to look at uh we'll out and look at uh see if there's something going on on the other end but uh yeah okay. cool, so cool we'll just have to power through it for now i don't know if it's going out live over the air
2: okay sounds good but um bottom line is we want a world where we're more free but we want that world to sustain itself And we have to understand what happens that causes us to try to steal freedom from each other. And oftentimes that comes from a place of fear. We start getting scared of each other. That turns into frustration, which turns into hate. And that turns into the impulse to control of each other. So if we want to prevent that impulse from manifesting, what we need to do is try to create that environment, that context of tolerance, of mutual respect, of kindness, generosity, because the more we trust and respect each other and try to build that, the more likely we'll let each other let live, and also that will persist, so we need to make a kinder world to make a freer world,
1: make a kinder world to make a freer world, yeah, because you know that, that's always think about too is is when we when we lack kindness, empathy, and trust that it's it's a lot harder for us to uh you know, want to live in a world where we're tolerant of freedom. Yeah, I know it seems like a weird thing, tolerant of freedom, but you know, in a world in which we can say yes, you know, it's fine for my neighbor to go do their own thing. But if you fear them, you're going to look for ways to control them. And there's actually some um, some polling to back this up too, to say that like when trust breaks down, liberalism in the in the broad sense, the the sense of a, a free society, also starts to become less popular.
2: A hundred percent. Because when people are scared, they want someone to alleviate their fear. They're ready to give up their keys. And this is what makes politics tough for libertarians like us. Because the other parties who want to control you, they can just scare you and say, hey, these people are scary. Those people are scary. We'll take all your problems away. Just give us the keys. We're trying to convince people to take the keys back of their life which means we need to have a very different message. It can't be fear. It can't be being scared. It has to be about the power that you have, that things are going to be okay, and that you are powerful because we have to inspire people to take control of their lives. And that's a very different argument when everyone's trying to feed them fear. And oftentimes, sometimes us libertarians can get caught in that fear game. Um, And the problem is that while we can get people to be scared of x y and z that doesn't necessarily mean they feel comfortable taking the keys back so we need to get them to be believe in themselves and believe in each other so that way they can live life on their terms
1: yeah you know in the way i see this play out in kind of like pro-liberty circles i mean small l libertarian and big l libertarian circles is it'll look something like this like the fear that we start to, to brand is, is like the the fear of the government that like hey like the 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 left is going to take control of the government the right's going to take control of the government someone's going to take control of the government and they are going to uh, ruin our lives right so which is to me a legitimate criticism of government that's why a lot of us are here um, but what it ends up manifesting itself into is uh, a lot of people who become so scared of that that they easily transfer to like oh well we just need to stop this one group from controlling the government and that's fine. So by building up a a case for fear of fearing the state in a lot of cases, not not that the the state isn't worthy of criticism, but by Mm -hmm. by fearing that, we end up transferring people easily into these big government movements because they, they end up saying, well, if this group doesn't control the government, then we're fine. So they don't build the case for here's how we can have a positive sense of liberty, here's what it looks like when we have control over our lives again people manifest and they focus on you know well we've just got to stop the state being controlled by these particular people
2: that's a hundred percent right that's exactly what happens um you always have people forget that the problem is the government and it's not that the government itself it's the power that is manifesting the compulsion that represents and then as you said People begin fearing one group taking care of it instead of fearing the power itself. And then oftentimes politics just divides us, tries to point out, it agitates frustrations we already have and create frustrations that we don't have Uh, because it's easier to convince 51% of the people to be scared of the other 49% to win an election. Okay, It's hard to have a message that 100% of the people can be passionate about. And that's why when you have your biggest societal decision uh, being the result of elections, and um, especially when it's f- first past the post, where fifty-one percent wins, you're going to have division, division, division. I mean, the first it, well, not could, even fifty percent, right? Mm-hmm. You
1: know, like you, you just just the the most. Agreed. Like, could be, agreed. You can, can win by plurality sometimes. Thirty-five percent, and you could win.
2: Uh, agreed. So all you have to do is create an a sizable enough angry enough minority and you can take control of everybody else's life and this is not a way to create a very harmonious society and then the thing is that harmony is good it makes us richer because the more we get along the more we transact the more we engage in markets the more we invest and that makes us richer The more we engage each other, the more richer our lives are, the more friends I have, the more richer experiences I have. There's only benefit from getting along as an individual. But when you're someone who's trying to accumulate power, us being together is a threat to that power.
1: Right. Yeah. It's better to keep people divided in a lot of cases. Um, Now I'm going to ask our producer to have us go to break real quick so maybe we can uh, take care of that uh, echo issue on the back end. But you know, when we come back, I want to talk about you know not just like what what the issue is with uh, generating fear, but then what's the opposite of that? So what's the alternative? How do you how do you build a positive message? And what is what is a vision for for a liberty based society look like? All right, we'll be back here in just a few minutes on Radio Free New York. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate y'all being here. And we are, of course, uh, live right now uh, to 1 p.m. if you listen to us on Friday, 1120. If you're not, well, you can always send us an email, contact at Radio Free New York. I'll spell it out. Contact at RadioFreeNewYork.com. But if you are listening to the live show, call in and, you know, how do, we, how do we build a positive case for Liberty, call in five eight five three four six three thousand. That is five eight five three four six three thousand or eight six six five five two one zero zero nine. We are talking with Alex Merced, who is the former vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. And, and Alex, you've written, you know, books about this stuff. Many blog posts. You're posting about this things all the time. You know, we've talked about uh, in the first segment, you know, why kind of building liberty around fear is is kind of uh, a dangerous game but no so so what's the alternative how do we how do we build a positive case for liberty like what is the benefit of embracing a free society
2: whenever it comes to selling anything you got to focus on the value proposition again the value proposition is that that free world means more prosperity for you and your family again the more we engage with each other the more we're free to engage with each other that means more things we can buy more people we can sell to, more people we can collaborate and share ideas with. But also it's not just that it improves our life prosperity wise, but socially in the rich tapestry of people we get to share experiences with, learn from, uh, teach, inspire, aspire to be. And we have to paint that that's the ideal we're trying to get to. But the thing is, the thing that's holding it back is that we're expecting so much in society to be decided in the political realm, in the realm of elections. In the, And when you put societal decision-making there, you're going to inspire those who inspire to make those decisions for everyone to divide us. So the idea isn't to necessarily say, okay, this division's okay, this division's bad, or, or you know, focus on the things that divide us, but focus on the dynamics that di- divide us. Because everyone sees it, everyone sees how when you hear your run-of-the-mill politician that they just agitate they exaggerate they use the hyperbole we see it but we don't really see why it's happening and a lot of people don't understand why it's happening so they believe what they say is true but if you point out okay well this is the dynamic and if we want to get to that world where that idea that's going to put money in your wallet make your family more prosperous make your family safer make your life richer to get there we do need to get along better but that means we need to minimize this dynamic This divisive political dynamic, then the answer is moving more of our decision making back into our communities, moving more of our decision making back to our individual to our individual lives and into the different units we decide to organize in. Um, And that's the thing, like we need to point out the divisions in society, but we need to not say, hey, we're divided, but instead say, hey, we're divided because of the way we're making decisions in society. And that's what we need to reassess together, despite our differences of opinion on a host of issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'll say, like, here's what I hear uh, all the time from, I hear it from politicians, I hear it from voters, is is they'll ask, you know, and I I ran for office, and you've ran for office, you ran Mm -hmm. for Senate a few years ago, U.S. Senate, I ran for for Congress this past year, and what I would often hear is, what are you going to do to solve this problem? And I was always kind of turned back, like, okay, like, here's how, like, people can solve this problem because I don't know everything I don't know how to run your lives I don't know how to make solutions for you but people expect their politicians to go and fix stuff for them it is political suicide to to, to try to make the claim and, and I say this because I've experienced it is it, political suicide to try to make a claim no no you guys need to solve your own problems you know so how do we how do we overcome this mentality that like politicians are saviors who need to fix these things for us because that's what People expect, at least in today's America.
2: Um, bottom line is I usually would preface my response by saying anyone who tells you that they can fix your problems is lying to you. Uh, I'd start off with that. And the second thing I'd say is just imagine a situation where you did ask for someone to fix your problems. Like you called the cable guy. How many hours did you have to wait to fix something that, you know. If maybe we spent a little bit more time reading the instruction manual and whatnot we could have done ourselves and been watching tv sooner um or you know there's all, all such situations we can think of where we want someone else to fix our problems the problem is no one is as much of a, like to no one else am i as much of a priority as to myself so if you want someone who's going to prioritize your problems you are going to be the best person who's going to prioritize your problems your family's going to prioritize your problems your community is going to prioritize your problems your the problem right now is politicians oftentimes get in the way. They are saying, your community cannot make this decision. Or they make it impossible for your community to make this decision. When we talk about things like unfunded mandates, where basically they put so many strings on local governments that they can't make the decisions, when it's those local governments that probably have their local people more as a priority set on the state, etc. federally, in the sense that the closer we can get to you, the more you will be a priority. But yeah. we need to get rid of the things that are preventing that from happening. And that's what I can work towards. But that requires me th- to reach out to you, to everybody else, and for us to be on the same page, to be able to put the people in power who are going to give you back the keys to your life.
1: And, and I'll say this with, with, with the cable. I don't have cable. It's usually it's the internet <laughs> person, right? Like, I do not have my cable a while ago. Sorry if I ever get a cable <laughs> advertiser and you guys hear this. Um, but... Uh, with that, at least I'm asking them to come and fix the mm-hmm. problems. I feel like with, with the state, it's like, well, you didn't ask for this problem, but uh, 51% of your neighbors did. So here we are. We're here to fix this for you. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. No, you, you don't have any other choice in this situation. You're just,
2: here's the government. Here to help. Oh, 100% agreed. And that that's what makes it even worse. Because when you don't have, like, that's also the benefit of freedom. There's accountability, it's not just reciprocity. So uh, in my book, The Libertarian Heart, I start off with this analogy of like a romantic relationship. So for example, I'm in a relationship with my wife and because either of us can leave at any time, every day I'm trying to figure out ways to make her happy and she's trying to figure out ways to make me happy because we can't take for granted that both of us are consenting to this relationship. So in that case, there's an there's an incentive for reciprocity for both to do right by each other, but also there's accountability. If for some reason I'm not doing my part, my wife can just walk out and hold me accountable. And now I'm, um, and that's the problem with like the relationship we have with government all the time. Since we don't have, um, that aspect of consent, that aspect of that I want to be part of this and I can walk away. There's no reciprocity. People just they can either do something that's too harsh. Or implement rules that are too weak, and that's always what happens. The government has basically, when it comes to a problem that if it continues, it looks bad for them, they'll oftentimes go way overboard because they rather it looks better to try to heal the patient but end up killing the patient than to, feel, than to look like, from a uh, PR perspective, that they didn't try to heal the patient. Vice versa, yeah. when it's like their financial interests, like big party donors, um, then they'll do the opposite. But it's never... Never that right mix, because that right mix is not found by someone just guessing. It's found through the interplay of people making individual choices, uh, us coordinating in different interactions and in different transactions. And that just doesn't happen in the government space. There's no consent, so there's no reciprocity. There's no consent, so there's no accountability because we can't withdraw. So we're stuck with what we get, which is oftentimes decided by not the voters, but by, the, by basically the aspects of PR, like how does it look? for the next election, and who's funding my next election.
1: Yeah, You know, and actually, that response that you described, the the overreaction response, is Mm -hmm. to me exactly what's going on with COVID. That that Mm -hmm. Governor Cuomo doesn't want to look like the guy who didn't do enough to prevent COVID from coming to the state. You know, he wanted to look like he was taking strong, swift action to protect New Yorkers because he knew that if he looked like He wasn't taking enough action. It could fall back on him politically. I mean, like people are making the argument that that's what happened to President Trump is he didn't look like he was doing enough on COVID and that hurt him politically. So Governor Cuomo overreacts because it's safer politically to overreact and to take away liberty than it is to underreact and to have it go wrong.
2: And that's what makes leadership very difficult because there is oftentimes pressure for you to overreact. I mean, I know just from time my time on the Libertarian National Committee, there's a lot of times where there's pressures, even within the party, um, to sometimes take a, a moment in time, and and you know people wanted X or Y or Z done, or wanted to maybe make a statement on X or Y Z's person statements, but oftentimes it requires a lot of restraint and a lot of willingness to lose to actually be a good leader. You have to be willing to just know that, hey, you might not be back next time around, so that way you don't get pushed into doing things that are not good for other people. But the problem is those pressures are too intense. And the people who generally run for office, um, you know, in those who actually end up being in office, aren't the kind of people who want to fight those pressures are the people who want to embrace those pressures so they can stay in office so you the nature of politics just puts the wrong people in the wrong places and you end up killing the patient every time
1: yeah i mean they're going to just try to ride the wave and just be all right i'm going to manage this you know i'm going to get pressure this way i look like i'm reacting that keeps the noisiest people happy and cool great you know who cares what damage is done along the way right as long as, you know, as long as they, they end up uh, on a net positive, you know, and I, I see that I see that frequently with politicians. And, and you're right. I do see that internally within like the LP, too. It, usually it's like so and so said something bad. Why won't you make a statement on it? And you, I, I know you're, you're constantly facing that. But again, you, you try to stay focused on like, you know, OK, how can we build
2: mm-hmm.
1: build something good here? How can we focus on? You know what we're able to to accomplish by letting people have liberty, because there, there's danger in that. There's risk in in liberty, right? Like there's risk that stuff is going to go wrong. You know, when when you're not having one person in control, you know it, it, it feels uncomfortable to have freedom for a lot of folks. And so, you know, and it's something even despite the fact that you know we like to talk about uh, having a country built on this. You know, we have a situation where. A lot of people are fearful. So when we come back, uh, we're again we're talking with Alex Merced, who is the former vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. When we come back, I want to talk about some again tangible ways in which freedom makes us a more successful, kind, prosperous society. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on Radio Free New York. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today, joined by Alex Merced, who is the former vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee. You know, we're talking about uh, how how you build a positive message for a liberty-based society. And you know, we talked about you know uh, fear-based versus positive messaging, and how that makes a difference. You know, and it's, it's as Alex said, because kind of making the sale, right? Like, what is the value prospect of of a society rooted in liberty, and, and despite the fact that there's there's a lot of fear around that there's risk in liberty there's a a lot of benefits too and and alex i was wondering if we could talk about like what are what are some of the benefits specifically of a liberty-based society and what what came to mind to me is like you know interacting with your neighbor like is is one of those benefits you know related to to trade for instance
2: oh 100 agreed like if you are free you can exchange goods service ideas relationships with others and that has, again, as we mentioned earlier, that brings reciprocity. So the fact that there are many cell phone companies, um, they're, each cell phone company is going to try to make a better phone because they want me to choose them. Um, basically, when I have many friends, those friends are all going to try to come up with the best ideas of what to do on a Saturday evening because they want me to hang out with them. Um, so when we have freedom to make several choices and we have alternatives – And also, it gives us freedom from problems. So, for example, if I'm free and my local community begins to deteriorate and fall apart, I have the ability to opt out and look for something better. But if I wasn't free, if I was just stuck where I am, well, then I have no alternative. If I had to buy the cell phone and that cell phone wasn't great, I'm stuck with it. So freedom gives us the ability to, when we can't improve things we can at least escape and try something different, and that's choose. pretty powerful, as uh, far as a solution. At the end of the day, yeah, being able to
1: choose an alternative if I want a you know a different cell phone, or a different cut of meat, a different house. If you don't like your landlord, you can go and find somewhere else. Uh, although I am picturing your friendship being very competitive now, Alex. Like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a cutthroat
2: world. If you want to hang out with Alex? You better be bringing the goods. <laughs> I try to be uh fairly social. I mean I'm 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 definitely more of a introvert by nature. So but uh I try I try to make time for everyone um and and be available. Luckily with the world of like podcasting and and writing books allows me to provide some sort of way to interact with my ideas uh uh for for anyone who wants to interact with my ideas. Um but on that note, like that was one of the big ways I try to promote these ideas is not by living it. Like when you win an election, there's people who win elections in different ways. Like Donald Trump won being very divisive, being very angry. And regardless of whether you agree with some of the policies he promoted or didn't, at the end of the day, that sends a signal to everybody else in that competition that that's how you win. And that create, that definitely changes culture. So to me, it's always been about trying to win positively. Because I want, when I ran for vice chair, I st- Stayed positive the entire race. The entire time I was vice chair, I tried to stay positive and optimistic because I want to show that that's a way you, you win. You can win if you stick to positivity, that there is an appetite for that. And I, I do think I was successful in that regard. And many other races for LNC stayed f- more positive than they may have in the past uh, after the, how positive. And it wasn't just me. It was a lot of the other candidates for vice chair in 2018 who stuck, stayed positive. We stayed uh, collegial. And I think that sent a good signal to people who were interested in being in the the LNC in the future. And I want to bring that to the grander political scheme and say, hey, you can win by being just a nice guy because you want people to aspire to that. The more successful your life is and you're nice, you're kind, you're generous and whatnot, the more people aspire to that. And that makes that free world. People don't have to sit there and be thinking, oh, I want a free world. If they are just kind, tolerant, naturally the world just becomes more free. So we need to make, be someone that other people aspire to be.
1: Yeah, and, and think about the golden rule and there too, right? You know, treat others how you'd want to be treated. But, you know, I do want to um, – well, first of all, I, I forgot I never gave a shout-out to our friends on the line at WENY, the Patriot, down Southern Tier, and WACK out in Newark – Guys, we love you listening. So thank you uh, for being here today, and our friends online as well. Thank you for being here. But I wanna I wanna go back to just kind of the idea of like competition versus cooperation, because I think a lot of people see free markets generally as being that that cutthroat world, that that competition based uh, framework that you've had. But that's not mm-hmm. exactly how free markets work. That when 100%. companies work in coordination with one another voluntarily, it enriches them in a lot of cases. And in fact, it's necessary for capitalism to work. Can, can you expand
2: on that idea? Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, one, yes, companies work together. But even more importantly, each company is a collection of individuals cooperating. So if you have two cell phone companies, there are two groups of individual people cooperating to build cell phones. And they are learning how to cooperate better. So when one of those companies succeeds they have demonstrated how to cooperate better so by having all these experiments on how to cooperate to provide goods and services we're learning how to cooperate better we're learning how to communicate better like you'll always hear some people complain about oh i can't believe all the money these companies spend on marketing um though that's such a waste but no it's not they're learning how to communicate value and the thing is that the more we can communicate the better we communicate the less conflict there is i mean imagine if our communication ability globally got so good that there was no more wars because we could actually talk through our conflicts instead of resorting to to violence. And we do, we do do that more than we've ever done in history, but that becomes from better communication in the marketing space that the game is discover how to communicate better. That profit motive gives the ability for people to learn how to communicate better internally and externally, how to communicate better internally and externally, which makes us richer and safer.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's a lot of great points there. Again, you know, uh, what what? Oh, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna forget the the quote for this exactly, but you know, what when goods cross borders, uh, armies don't.
2: Yeah, yes. I love that quote.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, I think about that too, and again, and it's if you go back to uh, good stories like um, I pencil too. You know, mm-hmm. it, it gives you a good concept of of how this. Cooperation works not only within companies, but also like among companies who depend on one another for various aspects of the goods and services to produce a a, a seemingly simple good like a pencil. And if you haven't read that yet, I definitely recommend you do mm-hmm. that. But it's like, where's the rubber come from? Where's the metal come from The hold the eraser? Where's the the wood come from? The graphite? Uh, how does it get shipped? All this stuff that goes into this, and so you know, working together. And not necessarily against one another in these situations is incredibly important and and the basis for a successful society. And so that's to me what what a positive vision for for liberty looks like. It's it's what happens when, you know, companies around us are successful. It's not cutthroat. We don't need the government to come in and and use heavy-handed tactics to control our life. It looks like people just doing what they do to provide a
2: service that people appreciate and that enriches us. A hundred percent. So, yes. At every level, the, a free market is just about us providing more to each other because the way you build relationships is by providing value to others. The way you build wealth is by providing value to others. The only time that's not the case is when you're taking stuff from other people, when you're forcing other people to be in your life. And that can only be done through the kind of compulsion that is, underlies government's every policy.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's how it all works. That's how taxation works. That's how a lot of regulations work. And and you know, and you can make the case for the use of government force for some situations to stop theft and murder and whatnot. Like you can, you can make an argument for that. Shut up, anarchists! I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know what some <laughs> of you are thinking. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, but in most situations, too, again, we we are better off when people are. <laughs> uh able to, to, to live their lives the way that they choose, you know, not just like in terms of our personal happiness, but also, you know, in terms of uh, uh material wealth.
2: A hundred percent. We're better we're better when we're free and we're freer when we're kind. So why not be nice? Yeah, why not? Exactly.
1: Like that's 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 the type of world that we want to live. You, we wanna be nice, you know, and I know there's situations where you can't always be nice, but mm-hmm. but why not choose to better why not choose to be more positive and again that that's why I, I love following you on twitter and everything because you you're constantly working to elevate people into infuse kindness into the work that you do you know uh, politically and elsewhere
2: oh thanks I, I i try again it's it's all about trying to put that out there in hopes that it continues to grow because people will only do more of it if they see it being done
1: yeah no good good model example of what to do all right so we're gonna head the break and uh, we're gonna come back with uh some fake news friday gonna bring some of that back all right so we'll be back here on radio free new york in just a few minutes talk to you soon
0: Radio Free New York.
1: It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for the day. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. We are again joined by Alex Merced, the former vice chair. Of the Libertarian National Committee, and of course, Fake News Friday. We have, we haven't done it in a while. It's been, it's been a while. I I've been doing a lot of solo shows on Friday, but I'm I'm so happy to have uh, Alex here with me, so I can play Fake News Friday because it's been it's been overdue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this quote to you. You tell me is this real news or fake news? Allegedly, this quote was from our Majesty. Andrew Cuomo? I, say, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> Allegedly from Andrew Cuomo. If you didn't eat the cheesecake, you wouldn't have a weight problem. Did Andrew I think Cuomo he, say? I think he did say that, right? Uh he he did say that. That is real news. That is not Damn. fake news. And and now, of course, he is being criticized for fat shaming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> governor cuomo he 's going to get cancelled that's that 's what 's going to happen to him he's the, that's that 's how he 's finally going to get kicked out of office he 's going to get cancelled for fat shaming because uh you know saying that you know if you if you didn 't eat the cheesecake you wouldn't have a weight problem and of course he 's talking about this um in relation to covid lockdowns he 's saying like oh uh, you know you should social distance, you should have wore a mask you know the restrictions work you 've just got to follow them you know if you would just obey me." <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, you know we'd, we'd all be fine.
2: <laughs> that sounds about the what I usually hear from him. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I uh, know you didn't want to say that sounds about right because it ain't right. But you know, yeah. it is certainly something that Governor Cuomo would do. But so uh, you know, I'm saying it right now: cancel Andrew Cuomo. We can't have a fat chamber in office. Let's get him out of here. Sounds good. Uh, <clears throat> so actually, uh, another one too. Is there a company now selling uh, Andrew Cuomo stickers to keep an eye on your Thanksgiving gatherings?
2: That I'm going to say is fake news?
1: Fake news. No, that is real news. That there what? is a company called uh, Custom 716, and they're selling Andrew Cuomo stickers that you can stick in your window to... Uh... It's, it's not so much to remind you. It's, it's definitely a joke. But you can... Oh. Uh, yeah, you can, you can think see those I thought you meant of an there. actual camera. Oh, an actual camera. No. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, we're not there yet. Not yet. Maybe next Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo is skeptical of the vaccine, and, and we're just, we just got to keep lockdown. down. We got to stop eating that cheesecake. You know, it's, it's a whole comprehensive package. Um, and now, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah so gotcha. you, you can have a, a non-video camera-based uh, Andrew Cuomo watching you eat Thanksgiving. So, folks, remember, no more than 10 people, uh, per King Andrew's orders, can't have that.
2: Wait, Are you, are you doing a Thanksgiving? You don't have to tell um, me if you don't want to. It's just, right? just going to be me, the wife, and the brother-in-law. So it's 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 going to be small. Most, most of my family's kind of moved out of New York City. Um, or, yeah, they're just not. So it'll just be three of us. But you know, I wouldn't mind uh, you know a libertarian national convention size Thanksgiving. That was a good time. Actually, get it just do get
1: a big like street Thanksgiving, like just just plop it up in the middle of a uh, you know so, somewhere in the city. Gather all you know twenty libertarians in New York and. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing you guys, and and, and do a, a non-COVID compliant Thanksgiving. That's your uh, that's your act of civil disobedience. I will do my best. All right, love to see it. Uh, you t- tell me, I, I, so I'm not doing much for Thanksgiving. Like we were gonna try to do something, and then you know it just uh, it didn't work out with like you know uh, a few people. But so unfortunately, I'm not doing anything. So I'd love to see a big uh, libertarian uh, Thanksgiving. I think it's gonna be freezing and raining in. Uh, in rochester though so an outside one would not be great
2: Ooh, oh maybe we could do like a libertarian zoom thing libertarian
1: zoom we're all gonna do zoom thanksgivings this year oh boy mm-hmm.
2: it's like pass but... me the uh, mashed potatoes i can't it doesn't go in the webcam yeah
1: exactly you no know, it's all right well i'll package it up amazon will get it out and uh it'll be there in you know less than two days be nice. I've now I've ordered like a a giant turkey that's going to be like twenty pounds, and I don't even like turkey, so we've already bought it because we were expecting a Thanksgiving, and now I, I have to eat this this nice fresh turkey, and, and or just have my wife just eat the whole thing.
2: Well, you can find ways. I'm sure there's all sorts of fun turkey recipes to try out and and find the rediscover your love for turkey. Now, nah, man, turkey's foul. That's, that's my controversial <laughs> opinion of the day. Turkey is foul. Dun dun dun.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, I've got puns today. That's <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll kill that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Uh, so, so here's another one Real news or fake news? Baby Yoda canceled amid accusations of genocide. I mean, I don't know,
2: I don't think Baby Yoda was actually cancelled, but people did call for a cancel for uh, that whole uh, Eden baby segment, which I thought was a very hilarious part of that episode.
1: Yeah, so so for those of you that watch it, uh, The Mandalorian said like a Disney Plus show, there's Baby Yoda. You guys have probably seen Baby Yoda around. But this was a real headline, Baby Yoda Cancelled Amid Accusations of Genocide it's from Vanity Fair. And, it, and I'll read the, the, the quote that came with it. said, Baby Yoda, who one year ago today cozied into the hearts of Star Wars fans, has invoked genuine social media wrath for last week's episode of The Mandalorian.
2: He, he ate some frog eggs.
1: Like that's... <laughs> does baby yoda have a gender i don't even know is is it he
2: no i don't think they've established it for sure but i mean i think they have said him but i don't think they like like no one's like checked or anything just just
1: the child i don't know i feel like yeah yeah. it's because it's not even called baby yoda it's called the child the child that's that's what it's called but yeah now now people are trying to cancel baby yoda who is uh you know the subject of many memes and toys and, and and cute things Cause yeah, he, he's baby. He, he's eaten frogs before. He's eating whole frogs. Now he's eating mm-hmm. frog eggs, and everyone's like, "Oh man!" It's just... No, that's it's not what happened, uh, get, guys. You're, you're getting way too riled up over, uh, over a Disney show.
2: That's... Yeah, the best way, if you feel like you'd be offended by this, the best way to know for sure is just to watch all both seasons, and you'll know. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Are you watching it? Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I've been. This has been a year good year for TV for me. All cut up on the boys, all, I'm about right now I'm almost done with pose, just catching up on all sorts of shows.
1: I I don't know I don't know that one, so I'll have to look that one up. I did watch so the boys, which is intense and, and pretty good. Uh and yeah, I'm watching I I'm watching the Mandalay. I've been enjoying it. I like it. It's like mm-hmm. just like a slow western, like building up a good story, and it it hasn't thus far been too like fan so I appreciate that. I mean, it might get there, but 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 I'm it good. but it's good. It's a good year for TV. It's a good year for, you know. I, I mean, we'll see what it does next year if everything's all shut down. So I know they're they're still recording some stuff, I guess, right? They're still filming some mm-hmm. things, but you know, it, there's it's out there. But you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my time getting all riled up over this, you know, puppet eating frog eggs on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> y'all got too much time on your hands. That's what's that's what I've concluded. I just I yep. can't get that mad. I didn't even get that mad over like Game of Thrones or anything. I you know, I don't get that mad over T V shows most of the time.
2: I don't. I can't. Like i gotta get emotional oh. emotional, yeah.
1: Emotional's yeah, emotional's fine. You know, I'm connected to these. All right, so we only have a minute left. Uh and so we're wrapping up. Thanks again for uh joining us here at Radio Free New York. Alex, where can people find you?
2: Oh, people can find me on a- pretty much every social network. So if you go whatever social network you're on, look up Alex Merced, whether it's Twitter at Alex Merced, Instagram at Alex Merced, Parlor at Alex Merced, uh, Float at Alex Merced, Facebook, Alex Merced, whatever social network you're on, you'll find me there. But also subscribe to my podcast, the Alex Merced Cast, on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Wow. All
1: sorts of places. I know you have alexmerced.com, which lists most of those, I think. Yep. Probably all of. Them. All right, thanks again, Alex, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm.